On the Lollygaggers podcast, nothing stops us from recording. Not in-law visits, dust storms, an abundant lack of creativity and talent. In this episode, Justin watches I, Tanya, while Jeff starts reading Pathfinder playtest rules and backs escape plan. Both Lollygaggers then break down the new Netflix sci-fi thriller, Extinction, before ending with the Gentleman's Challenge. Right, welcome to episode number twenty of the did it. podcast. We I know did it. one more episode, and we can buy booze. That's awesome. <laughs> That's how that works. We can officially buy booze. Oh, uh, yeah, this is the Lovely Gaggers podcast, the show about geek stuff, games, movies, TV, comics, etc. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the one, Justin. What's up, everybody? So we uh, we turned twenty today. It's exciting. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, there's a sale going on. Uh, man, there's like digital sales going on. So there's a board game sale on Steam right now. I'm just kind of flipping through uh, the page. There's all these different board games on sale on Steam. This is making me rethink what I'm going to give you later on in this episode uh, for your uh, uh, challenge next week. Do you prefer Do you prefer a in-person feel, a cardboard feel over a, a digital version of a board game? Or do you think that there's room for everything in the board game world? Uh, well, I mean, like, it's, you're talking about, I mean, there's room for everything, but like uh, me, when I'm playing with people, like if, if, if it's a, if I'm playing with multiple people, then I want the physical component. Cause I'd like the social aspect, uh, of everyone sitting across the table, looking at people, et cetera, uh, which is really nice. Like I like, I like doing that. Like sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to see people hang out and all that kind of stuff. Um, and playing, I mean, playing games uh, on the old interwebs is fun, and don't get me wrong, like it's great. Like me and you wouldn't be able to get to play games any other way because we live on the opposite sides of the country. But, um, but yeah, I prefer if I have my if I have my choice, if I have to choose between two, I would definitely, I always would prefer playing a tabletop game, either a board game or an RPG. I do like playing solo games, solo board games um, digitally, just because I always feel. Like even though there's a lot of solo games that like solo like I'm gonna actually talk about one on Kickstarter right now um, later in the episode. But even though you can play a lot of those board games solo, I just sometimes I don't really want to do all the setup and whatnot that comes. Yeah, it with seems like it'd be a little game. bit depressing of like pulling it all out. I'm depressing. But it, it just I just always feel like uh, do I do I want to do this just for me? Like I would totally do this for multiple people or just just me and my wife. But I mean, I do it with Connect Four. I don't know if it's the same, but I'll do that. I'll set up like. <sighs> Beat myself again. You're dumb. Yeah. You're dumb. Anyway, I'm going to jump right in because uh, I got some brand new news that dropped today. We're, we're recording on a Thursday uh, as opposed to, uh, to, to, to Saturday. Like, got a whole bunch of footballs go to do. A whole bunch of footballs. It's, I'm not Let's, going out of town. I'm, I'm in town, but I just, I'm staying whatever, at the Whatever. You're busy. No one cares. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, okay. the point is uh, Gen Con is going on right now, uh, which is uh, one of the largest uh, gaming conventions in uh in all of uh all of america uh and so so a lot of tabletop uh, news is coming out um and one of the things that just uh showed up today uh i saw on the old twitter feeds is that paizo has released their pathfinder playtest materials uh for free up on paizo.com so uh, pathfinder is a role-playing game tabletop role-playing game uh it sort of derived from like a DD 3.5 edition many years ago and it's developed into its own its own system. Uh, and while I don't play Pathfinder, I play Starfinder, and I have played like Pathfinder adventure card games and stuff like that as well. But Pathfinder, I'm I'm sort of interested in. It tends to be a little bit heavier, crunchier game when compared to like D and D fifth edition. So, 
they're working on a second edition and they have playtest materials for like what those new rule systems are going to be and they're doing some things they're they're doing some some changes some streamlining here and there they're they're kind of revamping some of the systems they're recreating other systems etc they're they're actually adopting some of the systems that they came up with for starfinder because it's the same company paizo uh, so I was really excited to see that pop up. Um, and I started reading through a little bit of today since I really honestly just got it like an hour and a half ago. I haven't gotten too far in, but uh, so far, one of the things I absolutely love about the new Pathfinder rules is its action system. Uh, so in Pathfinder and well, I mean, in Starfinder, I should say there's full actions, uh, which constitute your whole, whole turn, like a, a player's whole, whole round or a creature's whole round. Uh, so like full actions like could be like a double attack or or some other things um and then in D, D, we usually have like move at, like there's move you can move and you can attack or you can move and you know do a spell or something like that and occasionally you have a bonus action and so both starfinder and original pathfinder in D, D, like they have these different categories of actions you know there's move actions there's there's uh there's standard actions there's swift actions free actions stuff like that depending on which rule system you're using so one of the things that Pathfinder is doing, which I really, really like in the new system, is that they just created a much more simple and streamlined version of this action system. So what they say is, on any given turn, a player or a creature, you have three, you have three actions. Use them however you want. And like everything is an action, basically, at this point. So if you want to move, that's an action. You want to attack, that's an action. You want to cast a spell, that's an action. As opposed to like there being a distinct move action versus a distinct um, you know standard act you know standard action or attack action. So there's not these all these different subcategories. Everything is just basically an action now, and you can choose whatever you want to do on your turn. Like if you want to attack three times, go for it. You can attack three times. Um, if you want to like move twice, go for it. Move twice. You know, um, and so there's all different things you can do, which is great. I just like that idea, and I hope that um, when when my group does get around to doing Starfinder again, because I'm sure we will. Like I'm gonna figure out a way to sort of adapt that concept. Like even if you're, even if you just sit there and you attack three times, like there's penalties for attack. You know, for the longer, for the more amount of times that you attack on a turn. Like the first attack, no penalty. Second attack, there's a penalty. Third attack, there's a big penalty. So you can sit there and just wail away at a dude without moving, but there's penalties too. It's pretty nice. Uh, one of the other things I really like uh, that I've only started to figure out is that they have this new. Um, like they're kind of changing race to mean like like normally when RPG you pick a race you pick a class etc. So they call it a they're calling it ancestry now or, or something like that instead of race uh, and sort of tailoring it a little bit differently. And there's actually racial feats. So one of the things in in, in D and D fifth edition, for instance, in I assume in Pathfinder first edition, uh, is that when you create a character, right? You pick your you pick your race, you pick your class, and at the very very start like of the game, you get bonuses or, or some features based upon what your your race might be so like if you're uh you know if you're playing you know a, a character like a dwarf or like an elf you might get like dark vision and a couple other things uh, or you might get slight tweaks to your stats and stuff but then once it's done at character creation you never really get anything after that based upon your race well they're adjusting that and so there's going to be over the course of the entire game now as you level uh Every couple of levels, you're going to gain access to different racial feats, which is nice. And so over the course of time, you can actually tweak, you know, your your character based upon that. Like you can actually pick feats that are more racially based. And so like if you and I both made dwarves, after a certain amount of time, our, our dwarves are going to be slightly different because we're, we might be picking different feats based upon, you know, whatever it is we're doing with our character. So I really like that idea too. Uh, and so that's really all I've kind of looked at. The spell system looks pretty cool too. Um, and uh, how it kind of incorporates or works with uh, with the action system. Uh, from what I've I've heard, and I haven't actually read this in the book yet, but what I have heard is like 
if you kind of dump multiple actions into into spells, you can kind of sometimes tweak how they're being cast, like, you know, maybe range or maybe distance or burst or something like that. Uh, and so if that's true, uh, I'm pretty excited about that, too. It gives you a little bit more options and it gives the character, the player, actually a choice on how they want to cast a spell. Uh, I know in D&D right now, like, for instance, and to some degree, and, and Pathfinder's got this a little bit differently, but in D&D, you can, um, in 5th edition, like, you can cast spells at different level, and based upon that the level, the spell slot you're, you're using to cast it, it might have different benefits or, or a higher level of damage or something like that. So so there already is some choice right there, but adding extra choice on top of it, so, like, every time you cast, like, how many how many actions you dump in could affect it, sounds pretty cool, too. So that's, like, my, my like, absolutely breaking news for me. Just I just started looking at this an hour and a half ago. Uh, so had to be recorded on Saturday. Probably would have read through the whole thing by then. But uh, it's up on Paizo's website, P-A-I-Z-O.com. So it's their Pathfinder playtest material, and it's, and it's free. It's a PDF, and um, they have some other... In addition to just the main rules, they have some other stuff as well. So it looks pretty cool, uh, and it's, it's worth the read. And uh, it's definitely making me interested in Pathfinder. So take it, out, take a take a look at it if you're interested. Uh, if you if you're kind of new to Pathfinder or interested in Pathfinder or just uh, tabletop RPGs, uh, Paizo makes some good stuff. So all right, sounds good. Yeah, I, uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit last night, but I want to go a little bit more in depth today. Last uh, night? Whoa! Yeah. What were last yeah. night? Talk about we Warcraft last, last night. night. Uh, were we? Yeah, about the pre-patch stuff with Savant. I tend to just sort of drift off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about it a little bit more in depth today because I was revealed some stuff today by our friend uh, Other Jeff uh, about some other stuff going on that they kind of revealed, which sure. kind of annoys me, but still it's it's a development with what's going on. So uh, if first off, if you're Maddie, skip to the next seg- segment. Everyone else, just keep listening. Spoiler uh, for Maddie. So... Uh, Basically, what's happening in the pre-patch is Sylvanas, who's the leader of the Horde, has, um, in a fit of anger and trying to destroy hope, has burnt down the tree of uh, Teldrassil, that is where Darnassus, is, where the Blood Elves, where the Night Elves are. And I've had a big issue with everything going on. She tried killing uh, um, Malfurion Stormrage, and I've had a huge issue with her in the past. Good, because I hate Malfurion. I, I like you Malfurion. Him. I think I he's cute. Stay, I don't know why. I just hate he just resonates. He's the Shando, yeah. man. He's in don't charge of all the druids. Don't, who the hell does he think he is? Uh, who does he? Don't condescend to me, Malf. So I was getting real annoyed because it was almost like a beat-for-beat beat repeat of what was happening with Garage Hellscream back in uh, um, Mr. Pandaria, where he's just yeah. being blood-crazed. And, like, she's killing innocents without provoked aggression like she's just going out there and killing people for no reason and i guess there was a breaking thing today um with the uh collector's edition of battle for azeroth there's a novella that comes with it and in this novella it goes into greater depth of the scene that happens in the game which is annoying because for me i'm not gonna spend a hundred bucks on uh collector's edition i'm never going to buy a physical video game ever again i buy stuff in a digital format because i'm mm-hmm. not uh from 1998 you know I'm but you buy... are from 1998 well i'm not i'm not currently 1998 you ever wait in line to pick up uh i think the before? the sec i think burning crusade i did that i did too i waited in I line it was just uh, burning crusade it's best best at Best Buy. I it was at, it was at a like fifteen GameStop, but like I don't I don't know I didn't get the special edition, and like you know I, that's you know it was the first time there was ever expansion for it, so that was a huge deal. Now I'm just like I'll just buy the pre patch stuff. I don't care. But 
in this novella, they go into more depth. They basically Sour Fang, who's like her first in command, gets upset with her during this confrontation. Says, "No, don't burn down the tree. There's no point. There's plenty of innocence there." And he like stops his orcs from doing it. And she, they have a confrontation later on where they talk over a dinner table or a battle table, whatever. I don't know. Anyways, what they're talking about, she's he go. Let's try to see. Here. He says, "Um." Uh, you are not Garage Screaming. Why do you want to throw the horde into the meat grinder again? And so she says, "Listen, this is going to happen. Let's remember the things that happened. Uh, do you think the the exiles of Gilneas, like the stuff of Greymane, are going to forgive me for killing his son? Do you think that uh the humans of Lordran are going to forgive the Forsaken? Do you think that they're going to forget all these things?" And then she goes, "On top of that, do you think the Dark Spear trolls are going to forgive the humans?" over a long period of time about what happened to them do you think the orcs will forgive the humans over a long period of time over them putting them in internment camps and putting them as slaves like she goes yeah we could start peace and it could last five years but is it going to last 50 years is it going to last 100 years once people start remembering the the sims of the past is it still going to go on which i guess is a little bit more of an argument you can make however it's still stupid it's still dumb and the big thing is, like, you just killed a bunch of innocent people for no reason. You know, you're right. People are going to have prejudices against certain groups because they were treated poorly in the past. Most of those people are dead. Like, they're old and they're, they're, they're done. Just because you've lived a long life because you're not even human anymore because you're undead doesn't mean everyone else can remember it. And on top of that, didn't you just kill the devil together? You know, so, like, and didn't you kill all of the devil's uh, servants earlier together since, like... Uh, Warcraft 3 when everyone killed Archimonde as a group so like it still doesn't make any difference what they're saying like they try to like rationalize their stuff like it's still what Garrosh is saying Garrosh said back then like do you forget what they did in Outland how they tried murdering all of our people like okay I get that but now we're repeating these exact things so like they try to like could be like there's more reason to it and it's just such terrible lazy writing that it's it's just really annoying me i've now, gotten... if if later in the like the expansion as like the different you know the different story pieces open up as like more and more of of the raids and stuff open up, if it turns out like there was more to it than that or if maybe like it's not really sylvanas but it's like you know loki or something or like yog saron because like she yeah. died by falling on serenite and that's yog saron's yeah. blood or whatever right like, would you be okay with it at that I don't point? know, because I think there's a better way to do this rather than doing the same exact story of Garage Hellscream all over again. You know, right. a redemption story or a, a, a steer the wrong way story. There's got to be another way to do this. It's just really yeah. lazy. And Yeah, when I, when, I, when I talked about it yesterday, when I heard the story, I'm like, I, I feel like I've heard the story before. Like, yeah, it's the exact same thing. Like and then, like, yeah. I was talking to Jeff about it, too. He said one of the things that this might be teasing is a third faction, which, you know, we, yeah, I've been hearing that for for, uh, for uh, fifteen years. Yeah, probably. yeah, yeah. But like, still, like, who's gonna join that faction? <laughs> Who wants to be the clear villains? Like in this situation, it's always been ambiguous, right? Are the horde the horde are the good guys, and the alliance are the good guys? There's just misunderstanding, and they're just trying to survive in the same world given their circumstances, right? In this, it is a clear: you're the villain. You're being a dick, and it's not cool right like there's the things that you're t- complaining about were from 50 60 years ago and so much has happened and developed since then so much character development has happened 
for you to just throw it out the window with stupidity. And so that's just really, really annoying. So that's probably as much you're going to want to hear about World of Warcraft probably for the next three years. So I thought I would get that in. So Thanks. Uh, there you go. You're done, right? We can move on. All done. Yeah. Uh, okay. you get, now, now you go. Okay. All right. My, my turn. Uh, I want to talk about uh, a little piece of news. This one's really pretty quick. Um, it, it, I wanted to put it in last episode's like RPG news roundup because a bunch of news came out for RPGs last week, but we were kind of that, that episode's already running long. So, quick little note: uh, Zombicide has uh, got an RPG coming down down the line. Uh, so, Zombicide is a board game series. Like it's it's traditionally a board game. It's been published by Simon. Uh, it's, it's they've had different iterations of it, different versions and editions. Uh, for years now and uh, it's a miniatures based board game it's based obviously you can tell by the name on zombies right it's cooperative it's a zombie fighting series uh it's pretty brainless it's like it's it's just but it's fun it's like dice chucking pulpy a lot of references and stuff like that to uh, to various characters in pop culture and it's really just focusing on just having fun like you run around you just smash zombies it's um it's really good it's really good it's like uh, it's kind of like uh, was it dead rising in a way it's just like there's a bunch of zombies around you're going around you beating them up um yeah, yeah, and you work together one. so it's really fun um, now the first in the series was like a modern day setting, so it was like urban, right? And then like there have been other versions since. I know there was a prison. There's like toxic. There's like a like the prison version. I can't. I never played that one. But more recently, the past the, the last two versions that they just kind of came out with were medieval fantasy themed. Um, so one of them was Black Plague. Simon said Black Plague, which I have, uh, which kind of is it's zombies, but back in during the the age of the Black Plague, and the Black Plague was basically like a zombie virus or whatever. And then they just kind of did a sequel to that called Green Horde. So it's all under the Zombicide heading, right? So it's all board games. So here's the new thing. And again, by those board games, I mean it's zombies, it's you roll the dice, and you have miniatures, et cetera. Now, the, the big news is that Simon is coming out with a tabletop role-playing game based on this franchise, right? Which is pretty interesting. It's going to be designed by Marco Maggi and Francesco Nepatello. Um, I could have pronounced the first one wrong. I think I got the second one. I feel pretty confident. Uh, and it is, quote, said to merge the classic zombie ba bashing action that players expect from Zombicide line of board games with the exciting character creation development of an immersive role-playing game, uh, which is pretty cool because, like, in the board game, you have a fairly stock character with a few limited abilities. Like, you, usually there's, like, one, maybe two abilities that your character has that's slightly more unique than another character but the, for the most part it's all just sort of flavor like the miniature looks a little different like i might have a dwarf you might have an elf etc um but i might have you know a slightly better chance at like swinging an axe and you might have a slightly better chance at shooting a bow but for the most part like everyone's skills are kind of the same so it's really just more about you know silly fun uh but rpgs like if you think about an rpg one of the the main you know elements of an rpg is like a is in-depth character creation and creating kind of distinct individual characters so that my character and your character are vastly different right um, not just in terms of flavor and theme but also in terms of mechanics so going to be very interesting to see where that goes um i'm not entirely sure what the setting is going to be like because according to the art on the simon page it looks more like it's going to be the modern day setting because they keep showing because like all, all the art that they're showing i'm not sure if it's like recycled from uh from the board games or if it's actually new art that they're that they you know created for what's going to be the rpg but it looks to be more the modern day setting um, than the fantastical but it's possible I, I guess it's possible they could have rules or guidelines for kind of creating different campaigns the way that um fantasy flight games did with their end of the world rpg series uh there's really not a whole lot of details yet uh which is a shame 
uh, because we don't, I don't really know if it's a D20 system or D10, D6, etc. I'm not really sure what kind of system it is, and hopefully they're going to be revealing some more info over the next couple of months because the Kickstarter is not scheduled to like late next year. CMON always, pretty much always puts their stuff up on Kickstarter. Um, definitely all their Zombicide stuff goes up on Kickstarter. So it's not going to be out for a little while. So it's kind of surprising that they're dropping the news so early without having a whole lot of info yet. Uh, but it looks kind of cool. Um, and it got me, it's got kind of me wanting to play Fantasy Flight Games End of the World series. So like Fantasy Flight had like, this came out a couple years ago, um, these little RPGs, RPG books. Um, and there's four different ones. Um, and they're all different themes, but they're all based upon a, an apocalyptic setting where like you literally play the apocalypse and you play as yourselves, uh, like through an apocalyptic setting. There's uh, robots, there's a god one, there's a zombie one, and there's an alien one. I have the alien one. We play the alien one. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so it's kind of got me wanting to play it. And if you're interested in playing some like zombicide style RPG or a zombie bashing RPG, like the the the, the zombie version of, of End of the World might be a, a pretty good way to go. Um, it's a pretty simple way to get in. So I'm kind of curious. Uh, I'm kind of curious how it's going to work out. Um, I, I don't like the only time I've never really played an RPG that's zombie focused. I played RPGs obviously that had zombies in them from time to time, but for the most part, it's never really been purely focus on that but i would i would be down for it um actually i think i think i'm I, i've i've kind of gotten over my zombie malaise uh and i'm starting to get interested in them again so uh but it look, looks pretty fun looks pretty interesting uh i really would like to know more uh because there's really not a whole lot of information out but keep an eye out if you're a board gamer who likes a zombicide franchise or if you're an rpger who uh who's looking for another another zombie themed uh themed game so zombicide rpg by simon uh, check it out probably next year but i imagine we're gonna get some more information between now and then so all right well yep. uh i i went back to my uh my summer viewing uh plans and i got another one knocked i haven't out. heard about these for a while yeah wow, i got uh, I to i tanya um i wanted to see that one for a while i've heard a lot of great things oh yeah it's uh directed by craig gillespie um the guy's done lars and the real girl and finest hour uh stars margot robbie sebastian stan um and Allison Janey. Um this who movie plays, was uh who plays Kerrigan? Who plays Nancy Kerrigan? Uh Margot Robbie. Oh Nancy Kerrigan. No, she's like kind of a unknown. She doesn't even have any lines. Okay. Yeah, um, I know Margot Robbie plays. It's just a girl looks a lot like her. It's okay. cuz she doesn't even talk in the movie. All you get is the why the whole scene. Um oh, I feel bad. Yeah. But uh this movie's fantastic. Um I thought it was unbelievable. And Margot Robbie is astonishingly good in it um i don't understand i don't believe she got best actress at the oscars i do not understand why because it was phenomenal uh the job that she did same for allison janey allison janey was i think she got uh best supporting. She, she won for best supporting yeah, yeah she deserves it because she was amazing like the acting in this film was unbelievable sebastian stan was great as well i mean it's i would like seeing him as someone other than bucky every once in a while you know what i mean but uh <laughs> he, he playing he played jeff galuli and it, he plays such a smarmy piece of garbage and he does such a great job and such like this this beta loser and it's so great and uh margot robbie is just unbelievable unbelievable i there's certain scenes in the movie where she's just straight acting and smiling and crying and stuff like that, just at, at the camera. There's a scene where she's putting on her makeup for the Olympic, uh, for her Olympic performance, uh, like right after you know the actual final one that happened in uh, in Norway. 
And uh, her scene where she's putting her makeup on is just unbelievable. I don't know how she did it. And like there's special effects they do because they had this, they superimposed her face on top of a figure skater when she was doing the moves and stuff. And there's that little uncanny valley sometimes. You can definitely see it. Like there's a little like a, like, kind of like a little phase on the face. But still, it was it was pretty great. Um, they do a really good job of like mixing the the ice routines and the storyline and how they kind of like tell the story kind of through like a documentary style where there's a lot of talking to the camera every once in a while during actual like retelling of stuff she talks to the camera as well kind of like a house of cards scenario type of thing and um or as i like to say zach morris uh type of scenario where he talks to the people in the audience um, sure. but i just thought it was great i highly if you haven't seen it yet you got to see it it's, i haven't seen it now where do you where did you find it it's on, on it's on hulu it's free at hulu okay I, you gotta see it i'm sure your wife will love it too my wife she was busy cleaning the house otherwise i would have had her watch with me i think she would have loved it too <laughs> so she's been trying to do a whole bunch of stuff cleaning the house all the time and um she was just super busy and i, I just basically hid in the room and watched it because i'm trying to you know out we were short short week i was so just cramming real hard to today but yeah. uh she would have loved yeah. to watch it i have to, i'm gonna suggest her to watch that it. it's just a really really great movie so can't suggest enough uh i tanya another one marked off the list uh, so we'll see what happens next. We should, I have to get through like 12 more uh, or 35 more Disney movies. So I don't know if I'll get through that one. It's, we only got a week left. So. so so you were, so I just want to clarify, you were watching a movie while your wife was cleaning the house. Yeah, she she doesn't yeah. like me being around when she cleans. It's really weird. This is this is all facts. Okay. If I clean, she gets angry um, because she says I don't do it right. Um, oh, you, you guys then, have such a, such a sitcom, sitcom relationship. I guess so. And like, then... Everybody loves Raymond. Yeah, and something. then she doesn't like me being in the room when she's cleaning because hmm. she thinks that I distract her. And I'm like, I'm just watching a movie or TV. Like, so sure. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. She anyway, wants to. I got a Kickstarter I want to talk about. Uh, so I want to talk about Kickstarter for a board game called Escape Plan. Uh, it's designed by Vitala Serta and it's published by Eagle Griffin Games. Uh, Vitala Serta is a, is a fairly highly acclaimed designer I, I haven't actually got to play any of his games yet but he he's got some big name ones and he's known for designing fairly heavy euro games uh so like the Galarus, co2 kanban in lisboa uh he often he's been working a lot with Ian O'Toole, who's the artist for this uh he does some awesome art uh like the art i saw for lisboa is still like amazing some of the best i've seen and like the art for this game looks really good too and then eagle griffin um also another good team so they've been putting out some games for a couple times uh, a couple a couple rounds of them now so um i mentioned this just because like kickstarter tends to be a risk for some people you know you go in you're throwing in money what are you going to get but this is like a publisher and it's a designer and it's an artist who have like done this before and they've produced pretty good games and high quality components so it's kind of low risk so the game itself puts players in the role of thieves who have recently pulled off some kind of heist okay so they were all kind of working together and they had a heist only problem is is that somehow uh the cops got caught wind of it uh and so they got like the names of, of who was involved and like the news is, is showing pictures of the you know these people are wanted and and now it's like every man and woman for themselves uh, and so it's not a cooperative game people are kind of working against them. so the, the whole goal of the game is to collect as much loot as you can and escape the city before you know, getting captured by cops. Like that's the kind of the idea. So when I think about the game in my head, 
uh, like my experience of it is that of Reservoir Dogs, which is still my favorite Tarantino movie for whatever reason, uh, but with fewer F-bombs, which is probably a good thing. Uh, so it's a fairly enticing picture. So it's the idea of like, there's a bunch of thieves, they just work together, they just finished a job, but it's, it's possible maybe one of them turned or it's possible that some information got leaked and now everyone's just sort of scrambling to collect whatever they have of that loot, that cash and get the heck out of Dodge, uh, which is a really cool, uh, cool concept. I, I really like the idea, the theme of it. Um, like mechanically, mechanically, it has a bunch of different things. It's got action point allowance, hand management, some card drafting, asymmetrical roles, which I really like, where everyone has slightly different powers or slightly different um, objectives and things like that, which is which is pretty cool. Um, and even though Lacerda is known for being a designer of kind of heavy euros, I've read and I've heard that this game is a little bit closer to like a medium weight euro, meaning it's not as not as in depth, not as complex, but still has some weight to it, which is nice. Um, so, and again, it's not cooperative, so players are playing against each other, but because it's Euro, there's really no direct fighting. There's not, like, confrontational stuff. It's more about kind of outwitting people, uh, taking better actions and stuff. You might do some blocking of people's spaces and stuff like that, but nothing more than that. It's more about, like, maximizing what cash and loot you can take with you while completing the different missions that you have in, in the game and trying to kind of complete your own personal objectives because you get, like, this little secret objective card at the very beginning of the game that only you know. And uh, you're also obviously trying to avoid capture and stuff like that. So it's a one to five player game as well. So there is a solo component um, that where you're kind of playing against kind of an AI system. I, don't, I haven't really looked too much into the solo aspect of it yet. All right, so the game is broken up basically into three rounds and each round uh, represents a day. So you have like three days to get out of town. That's sort of the, the premise here. And each day is has got like six phases. And even though there's six phases, don't, don't think of it as being too complicated because some of those phases are really quick, just like collecting your, your money for that round. Um, and one of those phases allows players to actually start performing actions. And these actions often involve like you moving around the city um, to different locations. Uh, and when you move to different parts of the city and when the cops, which are like their own little tokens that are moving around, you start placing different tiles down on the board and it's kind of a modular board system. So the board looks like these blank hexagonal spaces and that you have little city tiles that you place down as the game progresses. So you can have kind of like a different layout for the city each time you play, depending upon what kind of goes down to some degree. Uh, and so the actions, like they can involve you going to a location and trying to collect money. They could involve you going to a location uh, and trying to like get a fixer, like to recruit a fixer to do something to you, or you can pay off a local gang to kind of like distract the police, uh, which is kind of an interesting concept. Uh, you can kind of click keys and find lock boxes and you can buy equipment that you can use later on. And so all of these are, a lot of these things are representative by cards. And so like it's your, the hand management concept of it and card drafting, et cetera. So it's really nice. Uh, and over the course of the game, like there's a certain amount of exits that there are to the city, but as the game progresses from round to round, the number of exits from the city get, get blocked off by the cops who are setting up like roadblocks and whatnot. And by day three, there's only one exit and that's the one you have to get out of. And so it's sort of like fighting over getting getting out of that. So um, that's kind of a brief rundown of it. It looks really cool. I like the theme. I'm definitely in for backing it. Um, it the Kickstarter is is really good in the sense that it has some preview videos and it and has a draft of the rule book up, which is always awesome to see. Like when I when I see that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm always feeling a lot uh, more uh, or less concerned about the game because like the development has been, you know, certainly far along in the process it's not like they're just still working on the rules which is always like kind of kind of nervous like i like a game to be in its relatively finished state by the time it gets to kickstarter and they're asking for our money um there's also a, a how to play video that you can watch by a guy named paul grogan who has a gaming rules channel up on youtube that i use from time to time he's really really good at doing how to play videos 
um, and he they're like official stuff. Like he 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 gets paid for this sometimes, and, and and he also has reviews and stuff like that. So it's all really high quality content. And so if you really don't like sitting and reading through a rule book, you can actually go on to his channel on YouTube, which is called again called Gaming Rules with like an exclamation point at the end, and he walks you through the setup. And he does this for other games too. Um, so like I'm using currently I'm using his how to play for like Founders of Gloomhaven, which is a game I just got in the mail uh, a couple of days ago. So like it's a really nice place to see. And even if you're you know it's a good way of when he's going through the rules, kind of figuring out if this kind of game is for you. Uh, in terms of cost, it's a it's a fairly uh, highly priced game. It's seventy nine bucks, which is uh, fairly common for a Vitale Serta game. That they're kind of up there. Um, it's because there's a lot of cardboard and a lot of like really good quality pieces in it. Because their Eagle Griffin games usually do a really good job with their Kickstarters in terms of quality. Um, the the ba- that's the base game. Then there's like an eighty nine dollar version that gives you a designer signed and like a stickered copy, like a little special. Uh, limited edition version um, but it's the same game it's just like if you like signatures and autographs and whatnot um, and if there were previous um Lacerda kickstarters that you want to get a copy of their previous games right you can actually do combos and get some of their previous versions because like whenever eagle griffin games when they put out these kickstarters they have like a, a slightly higher quality components like so for instance lisboa like has like metal coins and stuff in it right which is a really nice high quality thing Whereas if you just got the regular version, it's not. It's more like cardboard and whatnot. Uh, so like you can kind of pair up. Uh, so that I know that they have like the Gallerist is up there as well. I know that's one of them. Uh, Lisboa is up there, and there's a couple other games as well. Um, so you can do mixes and matches and stuff. So it's pretty nice. Uh, now the estimated delivery is June of next year, so it's a, it's a year from now, and they're pretty good about hitting their mark from what I've from what I've read from other people. And the Kickstarter is closing pretty soon after this episode drops. So it's the morning of August 10th. So if you're interested in this, I suggest you kind of get up on the old interwebs and take a look, uh, watch a video, read some of the rules and see if it's for you. But I'm definitely interested. Love the theme. I've been wanting to get a Vitalis sort of game. I might even go in for Lisboa as well, because that's a game that I kind of regret not backing when I first saw it on Kickstarter like a year and a half ago. So, uh, but again, it's called Escape Plan. It's by Eagle Griffin Games, uh, and it's designed by Vitalis Serta. All right, well, I got one more little thing. It's kind of like a small little thing. It's not a big deal. Bring it. Um, so, uh, did you see this thing with Leslie Jones from SNL uh, live tweeting her viewing of... Uh, of right, because Wars? Chris Evans is a fine-looking man. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm editing it for, for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Leslie Jones, who's uh, an actress on SNL, um, she was in the Ghostbusters movie, and she's been in a few other things. She's hilarious. Yeah, she's great. Um, she, I guess, she's had a really busy schedule, and the Infinity War just came out in digital this past week. Like, my wife bought it, and I didn't even know. I walked in on my godson watching it, I'm like, wait, we have Infinity War? I'm about to watch that again. So, uh, uh, I guess Spoiler she watched alert, it. alert, like, half the people die at the end. What? Yeah. Uh, so, no one had spoiled it for her yet, so she was live-tweeting her entire viewing of it. Uh, it included her um, screaming when uh, Cap came out of the shadows, uh, her yelling "Let's go!" when the Wakandans were fighting, going against the uh, the big alien guys, and the best part was at the end because she hadn't been uh, like privy to understand what was going to happen at the end with all like the the dust stuff. Obviously, she had her whole thing, but uh, she her last tweet was. Uh, no, who was he calling when uh, Nick Fury does the whole little beeper thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. in a direct response very closely afterwards, Brie Larson responded to her new hashtag, who dis? So it was really funny, like a little interaction between those two guys. 
uh, on Twitter. I thought it was funny and cute, uh, and uh, also had to do with Infinity War, so I thought it was interesting. But it makes me excited for what's coming up. I hope uh, Captain Marvel's decent. Um, I'm looking forward to it, seeing a female-led role. You know what's surprising? They are still talking about, uh, they got the director and everything all set up for a Black Widow uh, solo shot movie, too. Yeah, I heard that, yeah. I feel like... You know, I I was worried that like a lot of the old guard were going to go out, but it seems like a few of them are going to stick around, like uh, Scarlett Johansson. And I think uh, uh, Chris Evan or Chris Hemsworth is talking about maybe sticking around. So hopefully, some. I'm the... telling you right now, I really don't want to go through another round. I don't want. I I hate what they do with Spider Man and how Spider Man every couple of years is being rebooted with different people. Like, I think they're just, just going to be done with those people. Uh, I just just be done with those stories. Like if, yeah. If, those actors don't want to do it or if you can't come yeah, just up be with done. another script post just be done it's fine like and there's so much other fertile content in the comic world oh, yeah. that you can pull from as i am just i know i'm really kind of starting to get into it a lot further now i'm not i'm not <laughs> You're the expert like, here i've moved beyond casual at this point right you know i'm not just a casual i'm not actually really really getting into it like just go into that kind of stuff and that's even true if like you're going to do superhero stories there's so many other superheroes that you can pull from so um i just i don't want to see I'm not ready to see somebody else, you know, play Captain America. I like. I'm, yeah, I think you know, when you're done with I'm, I'm when you're done. done with Steve Rogers, you're done with Steve Rogers. But I yeah. think Chris Hemsworth has talked about it, you know, ever since Thor Ragnarok was such a huge hit and brought a lot of like, I guess, a little bit more uh, energy to that type of like his genre. Um, I mm-hmm. think they're talking about doing more stuff with him, like a galactic type of thing, which will be interesting. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Be, I, I would. I I like the potential of like the thor stuff and the like i always like guardians of the galaxy like let's just look i don't really want to see the superheroes flying around new york city or something like that like i i just don't want that but you go and start doing these crazy crazy adventure movies across the galaxy with either thor or guardians of the galaxy or whoever the hell else you want to but i'm down for that those are those are fun. i, I rewatched ragnarok not too long ago you know when we were setting up for infinity War it's on game. netflix now yeah. yeah the the soundtrack to that movie is so great it's so yeah, 80s the whole movie is really good yeah. So 80s synth, and so it's very much like um, like your Ice Pirates type of thing, where it's just kind of like these weird <laughs> places and weird things. It's, it's so yeah. good. It's Anyways. so Spelljammer. Yeah. yeah Anywho, yeah. Uh, that's it. Let's let's shut up. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Let's go talk about extinction. A really happy. That's topic. pretty good. Yeah. It's the movie. Breakdown. Extinction is a science fiction film directed by Ben Young and currently airing on Netflix. It's a Netflix film. Uh, premiered just a few days before this recording on the 27th of July, and it stars Michael Pe- uh, Pena and uh, Lizzie Kaplan as uh, husband and wife Peter and Alice. Uh, Mike Coulter, who plays Luke Cage on Netflix, also plays a fairly important role in the movie as Peter's boss. Now, at the start of the film, Peter has been struggling with these recurring dreams or nightmares of some kind that show his friends, his family's co-workers just random strangers just being violently attacked and killed by uh this unidentified powerful enemy right uh, now these nightmares have started to cause some conflict between peter and alice uh and also between peter and his two daughters um and eventually he agrees because of this to go to this mental health clinic that his boss recommends and there he encounters another person who's having the exact same nightmares right they're having the exact same thing it's really bizarre and he starts to wonder if there's more to these things than it's just being dreams or is he is he kind of anticipating the future can he see what's about to happen uh, now, Peter bails before seeing anybody, and he heads home where they're having a party to celebrate his wife's recent promotion at work. 
But after that party, even though he was kind of distant throughout and not really being a good husband or a good father throughout it, he he's kind of out on the balcony of their of their apartment, um, not quite penthouse, but fairly high up on the building. And after the party, the sky becomes filled with invading spaceships that uh, harken back to some of the imagery that came through in his mind um, the, of like the destruction of his home, the destruction of this place. Uh, and they begin to, lease the, to lay siege to the, the various apartment and commercial buildings in this city, and including their home. Uh, and the rest of the movie kind of follows the family's attempts to flee their building. Like, how do they get out when they're being invaded? And then to find shelter. And then just to sort of figure out just who the heck is responsible for this attack. And what do Peter's dreams have to do with it all? So, uh, as always, we'll do our best not to spoil any of the major plot lines all that stuff i went over happens relatively early in the film and it's part of the marketing material so uh if we decide to go full spoiler uh, we will warn you uh and uh, and you'll know to skip forward so justin what you think of extinction uh, i'm gonna throw it to you and say what did you think of extinction oh geez um it was a weird film for me uh because on the one hand i like what it's trying to do on the other hand, I feel like it's not pulling it off in some cases. Now, it's really hard to talk about my criticisms or my concerns with the movie without spoiling some of the big reveals that occur later on in it. But suffice to say, the early parts of the movie had some peculiar acting, and it just felt weird, strangely paced. And I started to wonder whether like, it's just, just like not a good movie or is there a reason for all this? And so I was just watching the movie with an, ex with an extreme amount of, uh, of suspicion. Um, I felt that the movie was had really good ideas, but I don't necessarily think I like the way in which the, the actual movie transpired. And more than that, I feel by the end of it that I just watched kind of like a prequel to what's going to be the really interesting parts. I feel like the, the movie is weirdly placed in the timeline. It's like watching Age of Ultron and just Age of Ultron. And you don't get to know that it's going to eventually go to Infinity War. And you don't get to watch the original Avengers movie. And it's just that one one in the middle. And you're like, huh. And it's hard to like really appreciate it without having the context of all the other types of movies around it. So I felt in the grand scheme of it, like it was weirdly, really structured. Now... I, I in the beginning, the whole husband wife dynamic was so kind of cold and awkward. And there were all these little hints. And I feel like it was sort of the director, like kind of messing with us. Like there was almost a suggestion that perhaps, you know, Alice was having an affair or might have an affair. And, you know, there was the suggestion that maybe there's something kind of weird going around, going on at, uh, at Peter's, uh, Peter's job. And so I think they're playing with all sorts of little things that are, that are kind of nice. Um, and ultimately though like it wasn't like the the beat by beat like thriller like moments that was trying to be like like oh my god are they gonna get through this oh my god are they gonna get through that i didn't feel like it was like i don't know if it was enough to kind of carry the movie you know i feel like if the movie wanted to be a thriller and scary and keep us on the edge of the seat i don't really feel like the actual cinematic portions of it like the little the, the situations that they have the set pieces were really that great um and so the strength of the movie lies in the sort of ideas it's exploring. But unfortunately, those ideas are really hard to explore <laughs> with the way in which they, they told the story. And it, it was just kind of this weird, contradictory experience I had. Um, overall, like, I, I didn't think it was great. 
but I also appreciate it in a weird, in a, in a strange way. If that if that makes any sense, like I, I'm not sure I enjoyed the film, like from a from like a you know just a purely entertainment perspective, but from like the ideas it's raising and some of the themes, like I kind of liked what it was trying to do. And where the with the story where the, the movie ends, I, I'm like I I kind of want to see the sequel. Like I want to watch the sequel now, and I'm probably gonna like the sequel better than I like this one in some way. So what did you think? Well, I think you you bring up some decent points. Um... Decent. I very, very I decent. enjoyed it a lot. Um, I I found the first act of the film to be a little bit droll and slow oh, yeah. and just know, not man. very totally. gripping and entertaining. They but, could have cut it down. That whole like I get why some of it happened. I feel like it could have been in like ten minutes. Yeah, like opening. Act yeah, then they're really kind of there was a lot of character development, but. In retrospect, after the the big turn, it kind of makes some sense what's happening. I actually enjoyed the storytelling they did because they made you think, oh, this guy's got, like, some type of weird ability. And, like, then, you know, the big turn happens and it's, okay. I I enjoyed that. When, when, the, big, when the big reveal go, happens... I was a hundred percent hooked. I, I was in. I was like, okay, what's going on, and what's happening? I think it took a little while to get to the point for them to explain what was happening. Um, and then when it happens, the exposition dump that occurs was intense. It yeah. was just like it was overwhelming and too much, and completely stalled the pace of the movie. Like at that point, the movie was like kind of picking up pace. Things were going crazy, and then all of a sudden, it's just like let's pause for ten minutes and let me read a Wikipedia page to you. Yeah, it, it was very happened. much like you know, let's stop. I th- I think that 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 could have been done in a little bit more you know with the pace that the movie was going at that point. It could have been done in a little bit better way, but. Because, like, you went from slow to quick to slow to quick, right? Like, there was, it wasn't, it, I don't think the movie was paced perfectly well. But I did like the the reveal. I just maybe wish they would have went about it in a a little bit better structured way. I still enjoyed it. Um, I thought the idea was very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. The acting movie is pretty solid. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I agree. Actually, I think it was. Yeah. I think it was pretty okay. I like Michael Pena and um, the woman that I played his do. wife, Lizzie Kaplan. I like both of them, but I honestly don't think this was their best performances. Yeah, but um, I think you know when you Michael look back Coulter at, was in it, but barely. Yeah, but, barely. but he, he played was, an important role. He was good was though. I like when when he was there. I like he was good. He's so much I felt better like than he was he... more. He was more like an usher at a at a, at a, yeah. at a movie theater. He wasn't really like engaged. He was just an usher. Like, yeah, and I think like. You know, when I always try to compare him to, like, first season of Luke Cage, because his first season of Luke Cage, he just was not super great. Like, it was very, like, he's reading lines off a script. And he's gotten so much better since then. His second season of Luke Cage, I think he's great. And I think this movie, you know, he was limited, but what he did I thought was good. The only thing I thought was silly was the last part where they're trying to run to the train, and there's, like, a full squadron behind them, and he's... Got yeah. a gun. A really poorly trained. Oh, uh, they're all they're stormtroopering yeah, it up real bad. They're so so stormtroopers. Real it's bad stormtroopers. That's what I, that's the only part of the movie. Where I'm like, what? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I really was like, 
Really? And But every shot he's taking, every bullet in his clip made contact. <laughs> but all of them, they just couldn't uh, hit one. Yeah. Um, yeah. The special effects were suspect at times. Um, very, I was okay uh, with the effects. I was okay with some of it like the very end when that uh bridge was collapsing i don't yeah uh, that was yeah. real bad um, yeah yeah that was real like bad. something out of a video game from like yeah it's like from yeah. like 2008 yeah. uh yeah. it was not great um I, I i i liked what they were doing i liked the twist of what of who the bad guys are i think that's very interesting um but it was very, I think it was very, I don't know, I guess staggered how they did it. It's just very much like a, a hit to the face, but not like a good hit to the face. It was just kind of like, okay, this is what this is, and let's throw it all at you right now. Um, but I get why they do it. It was just kind of like the big, big reveal. Um, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't look into it as... I guess I didn't look into it as deeply as you did with those certain particular things, but I, I enjoyed watching it. But the second act I was in, that first act was real boring, but the second act into the third act, anytime I see Luke Cage, I was all excited because he's just so, right. han- he's so handsome. He's so handsome. Sure. He grows a really yeah. good beard, I gotta say. So, so uh, without spoiling, like, I, like we might talk here in a minute. Uh, it was where I was like... I, how how would you can, we 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 do a lot of Netflix original movies like it's it's easy for us to do it's simple and plus you know it's it's just kind of fun to watch them because there's a lot of sci-fi stuff if you think about this the ones that we've seen uh, there's some that we really dislike like the Titan uh, and then there's others that we enjoyed a lot more um, then there's others I liked that are kind of two thirds of the Titan that's the what made me so upset about it I just <laughs> I liked know. a certain point and then the ending got so bad it was like nope never mind yeah. So to me, like this is a middle middle of the road one for me. Like, I think I this is above average for me. Like I like, it's not. I, I like this better than uh, Cargo. Um, but then you felt differently about Cargo than me too. I think Cargo is an excellent movie. Like Netflix or no Netflix, I think it was an excellent movie. Uh, I, I would put this ahead of Tao. Uh, which we just yeah, I would too. I put it. I would put it ahead of Tao uh so like it's I, I think it's definitely worth watching it's got a really interesting twist um it's i i don't do we think wanna, do we want to hit that spoiler yeah like we're gonna go full spoiler we're gonna go full spoilers in a second but just like our final thought non-spoilery i would say go watch it um because it's got it's doing it's it's i think it's really it's got an interesting twist to it that, and i think it's uh, gonna lead to a good like they've i saw a thing on like comic book resources they're talking about possible sequels and i think that i, I would like to see a, a, another i would like to see more of this of this universe yeah. i think this yeah, universe is saying. interesting like, they set it up to the point where i'm like okay i don't know if i really like the movie but i i definitely liked the concepts very good the concept that you're developing in the world and i kind of want to explore it more and i might like the next movie better so all right let's go full spoiler so if you want to avoid spoilers uh what you want to do is you want to skip ahead to 5927 Okay, fifty nine twenty seven. So, I love. I that called it. Humans are bad guys. It. I didn't know it was going to be. I Maybe it. I'm just dumb. I'm so proud of myself. I think no, I'm dumb. I'm, I'm so proud of myself. But I, I liked asked my wife at one point. Did they like? Because there's like, remember when we we heard the news story, like where the guys were like complaining and stuff like that. And I said, did they mention aliens? Did they actually say the word alien? She's like, no. I'm like, 
I don't think these are aliens. Cause like, I think going in, that's kind of like the, they like, like they might be aliens. I'm like, I think these are humans that are attacking them. That's what I think. Anyway. So I called it. I was like, yeah, yeah I, I liked, totally I liked this, what I liked about the whole storytelling structure of his like flashbacks that were, he thought were flash forwards. Right. It, it had like a kind of a feel of like a rival for some reason, you know, because, right. you know, that, that kind of like circular. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I and, thought a lost, actually. You just mentioned yeah. Lost Forward and Flat. Like, like, the whole last season was sort of, like, messing with you. Like, wow, yeah. you like, you thought it was a flashback, but it was a flashback. Right, and so, like, that's that's what I thought. I was like, oh, this is a lot like Lost. Like, oh, this is happening. Oh, Jack's already off the island. Oh, this I thought, I thought this happened before. So, yeah, I definitely I just, like that structure. So, like, when they reveal, oh, it's just, this is something different. And I was like, okay, I like that a lot. And I, I liked totally. I liked um, when you reveal that the guy in the suit is a human. I, obviously, there's a lot of exposition they left out as to why they look like giant bubble monsters, which I felt was just like silly. Like, I yeah, mean, like, like when you think I guess about you're it, trying like, to dress like that. Yeah, you're, you're, you're dressed know. like that because you wanted to. You wanted to make the audience think you're aliens. Yeah, like, that's, that's literally the only reason. Like, like that. there's that's there's no reason, other reason they look the way they look. Yeah. Exactly. So, like to me. Like within the framework of the of the logic of their universe, it makes no sense for them to look like that. So to me, it was they just had like robot feet, and yeah, they, they, they were making like, robot like weird sort of like bug sounds and stuff. And yeah, so like to me, like I don't understand why that was happening. So that's one of my gripes too. Like what, why? But they're really trying to create that smoke screen of you're not supposed to know it's humans yeah. type of thing. Yeah. And when you're like, oh, they're a synth, I'm like that. That was like a a slap right out of left field. I'm like, what? We didn't even talk about sense. What is happening? Yeah. And I thought it was kind of cheap. I thought it would have been better if it, my critique would have been, what if they were the invading force of aliens and they're the aliens and then the humans have come back? Like not so much like robots. A, like a Martian, sort of like a Martian Chronicle type of thing with Ray. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like sort of a reverse Martian Chronicle. Where like you, not so necessarily that they're robots. Like I think it's interesting and AI and stuff, but let's make it full on aliens. You know what I mean? But which is the same idea, but like when you open them up and they're robots, I thought that was kind of bleh. If you would open them up and they just don't have the, the proper organs, like that would have been interesting. And like, if they yeah. th- saw nothing wrong with it, but as a viewer, you're like, "What is this?" You know, like that. I think would have been a better approach of when they brought the when they brought Alice uh, and they met with like uh, with, with the, the boss with Coulter with Luke Cage, and the dude started shocking her. And I'm like, they're robots. Like, <laughs> and like, they gotta be robots, right? Like, yeah, I, that makes no sense. It's like, or I it's a diagnostic. Like, I'm like, yeah, oh, that's a robot. Like, it's totally. Robot. I think it would have been. I think it would have been a much better thing of don't talk about it at all. Don't have an exposition ex, ex, exposition dump. There you go. You got it. Yeah, I got it. But like, if you could have had them just be aliens, and when they're doing stuff, you're like, this is not a human as an audience member. But like, Michael Pena is totally fine with everything that's going on. You know, like. He's like, yeah, this is what we're we are, and like I totally expected. I, that would be that. I think that would have been a cooler thing of like, yeah, th- this is who we are, and like we know what we are. But these these the, whatever these are, are coming in, but then you find out they're just humans. You know, like have them look like they did yeah. in his flashbacks. They look kind of robotic, but they're just guys in SWAT uniforms. You know, like I think that would have been a little bit of a better thing. But I still liked what they had, what they gave right. us in the movie, though. So the other, the other, like the interesting thing about this movie, and one of the reasons it was really hard to talk about without spoiling, is that I feel like you can't really talk about this movie unless you talk about the big turn, which is the reveal that these are these are humans 
that are attacking Earth, which is currently populated by synthetic humans that overthrew humanity like 50 years ago or something like that and ran original humanity to Mars. Like they ran them off the planet to Mars. And then these synthetics, some of them anyway, wipe their memory so that they didn't have to live with the guilt of like slaughtering all these humans and running them off. And some of them, like Luke Cage, didn't wipe their memory so they can prepare for humanity's eventually return. Now, I feel like it's really difficult to talk about this movie considering that that twist comes three quarters into the movie and it really changes the way you look at yeah, the beginning like, of the like, movie. Oh boy. You know? That changes yeah. everything. So now what I was looking at in the beginning of the movie, I'm like, well, this is just some like really awkward, bad acting and or bad writing. And then like, oh, they're just robots that they're not like, they're not. They're not supposed like, to have emotional point. displays that like. Right. They're supposed to be yeah. sort of distant. Maybe that's the point. They like, talked oh, about okay. in the movie, like they're having emotions isn't supposed to be within their programming. So they're weird monotone robotic acting at times that seems like bad acting or distant feelings towards one another. Cause you feel like, Oh, his wife feels alienated from her husband right. and she, maybe she right. just doesn't want to talk, but that's just, they don't know how to be right. with each other in an, an emotional state. So like when you look at it like, they're like, Oh, that's way better when you think about it, but it takes a minute for you to sit back and be like, Oh, that's it makes why it was sense. So yeah. And like, cause to me, I was so, utterly bored like they were not interesting people like you say they had character development like they were so boring like in like everything about their lives was just dull and like the interactions were so generic and formulaic and like when you think about it later on like i guess there's a reason for that right but at the same time i didn't know that at the beginning of the movie when i was watching the first half an hour of your movie and, and because i didn't know that like i'm more likely to stop watching because i'm bored you know you know what i mean so it's like i think it's a movie that's really difficult because like it's not it's not setting itself up for success in that regard right unless you really are committed to sitting all the way through it like i just i wonder how many people watched the first half an hour and were just bored by all the interactions between these fairly dull and uninteresting people and then just didn't watch it and never got to the cool stuff. You know? That's and why I think like a better cool. angle would have been like a normal family, a normal world. And they just, you just don't realize from being the audience member is that it's kind of like a, I guess a, a Twilight Zone scenario where like the invading forces humans instead of aliens. And like, you know, they're sure. just, you, it's, I think it would have been better to gain uh, to to really care about these characters and think that they're great people and a great family and you really want them to survive, but then you realize, oh, they help commit genocide and you didn't realize that. And I think that would have sure. been a better a way for you to kind of think, well, you know, things are I different. still in there for some reason. I wonder if they still were had the moral high ground because of how they were treated. But we don't have enough about the exposition what happened. So I don't know. Overall, like like I would recommend it watch, I would especially too. I would if you're a sci-fi fan. But I don't think it's it's a great movie. I'm certainly curious because at the very end of the movie, as as Justin was referring to, like they all get on a train, uh, a lot of, like like that was the plan, and they go deep into the earth to kind of like an underground hidden base. And like this is really it's a cool sequence, but it looks kind of crummy where the train's leaving and everything as the train passes is like crumbling into the ground and hiding their tracks, basically like literally hiding their tracks. And then they disappear and there's like an over like a, a voiceover where where Peter is talking about like, you know, how they're going to figure out what they're going to do next. I'm like, OK, I kind of want to know what they're going to do next. That's sort of interesting. So I don't know. Um, it's a good movie. It's interesting, but I don't think it's a great movie and it's super flawed. Like. Like, 
anybody who gives this like a five out of 10 or four out of 10, I can totally, I can, I understand. I can totally see why it, it would receive this score. Cause it's a very uneven movie. And I also think it's a pretty big risk. Anywho, you all set? You're yeah, good. Good. I thought it was pretty decent. And I, I was, I was suggested to just, I'm not going to like say, Oh, you got to see this. It's crazy. I just thought yeah, it was, not, it was, it's not it was a good sci-fi see. Netflix movie. So, yeah. Okay. All right. That's extinction. Uh, it's time to do some challenges in a gentlemanly way. And now it's time for the gentleman's challenge. So the gentleman's challenge is something we do here on the Lollygaggers podcast. It's uh, one of our favorite segments. Uh, it's where Justin and I like to assign each other some sort of homework for the coming week. Uh, usually this involves us watching a TV show or a movie or playing a game. Uh, and then to ensure that we actually did our homework, we come back on the next episode and quiz each other about it. Now, sometimes these challenges are, you know, meant to just drive the other completely insane. Uh, and sometimes these challenges are actually meant to expose the other person to something that's actually pretty cool. Uh, so I should also warn you that everything we do here in the Gentleman's Challenge is a spoiler-heavy zone. So we'll kind of cover... Pretty much everything about the stuff that we watched, at least the first two or three episodes of whatever it is that we've been assigned. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and start first this week. Uh, Justin assigned me a Netflix television show called Kiss Me First. Now, it's a British thriller created by Brian Isley. Uh, it was originally airing on Channel 4, and now it's available on Netflix. So uh, I did a little bit of research on this because uh, I didn't, hadn't really heard of it, but I kept seeing it pop up on my Netflix suggested list because of other things I've watched. Uh, and it is apparently based off a book by the same name by Lottie Magic or Mogik. I'm totally not getting that name right, I'm sure, uh, which is also apparently highly acclaimed. Um, now, the show itself follows Layla Evans, who is a 17-year-old kid whose mother uh, apparently has recently passed from what I, I can presume uh, is cancer, more than likely. Uh, Layla is actually... Uh, forced or not necessarily forced but chooses uh to to help end her mother's life uh through some sort of pharmaceutical uh concoction that she was given at the chemist uh now layla is left alone after her mother's passing so the father doesn't seem to be in the picture she doesn't have any siblings that we know of uh, and she doesn't really seem to have many real life friends that she hangs out with in a kind of a physical capacity uh, she has to get to waitressing to pay the bills, so she, her mother didn't really leave her enough money to kind of take care of the flat that they live in, uh, and so she gets this job waitressing, and she also takes on this kooky Welsh um, roommate uh, named Jaunty, who wants to be an actor, and he's not particularly great at it, but he's actually some pretty good comic relief. Um, so she starts collecting some extra money uh, and one of the reasons she's doing this is because even though she doesn't have a whole lot of real life friends she actually does a lot of stuff online and so she likes to play in a game an mmo specifically called azana uh, and it's kind of an open world rpg slash fighting virtual reality type of game um, it's got a little bit of everything so kind of a little bit of fortnite a little bit of PUBG, a little bit of you know world of warcraft that kind of stuff uh, we don't really have a ton of detail specifically about the the world itself but uh, it exists, and it, she loves it. Uh, now, she hasn't been logged in for a few weeks because of her mom's death, uh, and so when she logs in, uh, you know, one of her in-game friends, uh, you know, they, they run into each other, like, physically. Um, but then she, Layla, that is, wanders off when Mania appears. Now, Mania is somebody who we get the impression uh, 
Layla has come across at some point prior in Azana and might have some kind of uh, affection for, or crush on, curiosity to, something like that. Um, we learn later that Mania's real world name is Tess. Uh, and, she, and so Layla follows her and kind of sort of spies on her a little bit. And eventually Layla finds uh, access to this hidden and very special section of Azana where a bunch of folks, uh, this little club or group of people known as Red Pill, which is a Matrix reference, uh, have been meeting to talk about their problems and whatnot. They, they seem to be folks that have difficult lives right now. So or maybe they're they're. Their family lives aren't in particularly great shape. Um, so she kind of spies in on this, meets the group, uh, and also meets uh, the enigmatic Adrian, who at first glance seems like this really good hacker guy who's responsible for creating this kind of like a Care Bear area of a relatively PvP game. So it's a place where there's like there's no fighting, you're just kind of there to socialize and to chill. Uh, but over the course of the first two episodes, you get the feeling that maybe Adrian is more um, than what he's leading on. Not even... Not just so much he's he's got ulterior motives, but he might literally be more than just another person logging into this system. Um, so, Tess in Mania, or excuse me, Mania in uh, in Layla. So Tess is the real life version of Mania, and Layla's uh, online persona is Shadowfax. Well, the two of them meet up in real life uh, at a club where Mania is doing some dancing, and then they go back to her place. And while at Tess's place, Layla logs into Azana using Tess's avatar and, uh, in doing so, pretends to be Mania. So she's like there in Mania's physical form, uh, and she watches as Adrian talks to one of the other new folks, um, Calumny, I believe is his name, uh, to jump off a cliff in the game. And, and Calumny seems to be, he's this Polish kid who's not in a particularly good place um, whose mother has been being abused by his father, and Calumny blames himself for all of this. Uh, and so Adrian makes it like he's he's helping him. And, and maybe he is, maybe he isn't. It seems like he isn't. But uh, in episode two, Layla learns that Calumny's real-life persona, Cyril, committed suicide by jumping off the roof of his apartment building. Uh, and she actually goes and she meets uh, the mother and kind of talks a little bit about that, log tries to log in um, to Cyril's account, on the Zana, but it's not quite working out right. Uh, she also confronts Adrian about what his role might have been. Uh, but Adrian's like in-game superpowers uh, send Layla like plunging down this really deep ravine where she transitions into kind of exploring uh, this memory of her and her mother at the beach. So that's that's kind of where the second episode leads off. Uh, the third episode hints perhaps at some backstory regarding the the origins of Azana, but I haven't yet watched it yet. Uh, so that is Kiss Me First. Now, what do I think about it? The show is really peculiar. Um, I like it, actually. I understand that there's like a, a kind of a romantic uh, romantic storyline that's going on between between Tess and between Layla. I get that. But at the same time, like this this is about the mystery of what's going on with Azana, right? And so it seems like a weirdly named uh, show. So uh, it's kind of... A strange disconnect there so far anyway through two episodes um it's the the in-game mmo stuff uh is all like cgi type stuff and it's not terrible um but at the same time like i think it's noticeable and it's it looks fairly I think decent it's more uh, like stylized and i and when i was watching i was like yeah they're obviously not trying to make it look real life you know because yeah. there's like almost a like a Fortnite look. It's to like it. a World of Warcraft Fortnite kind of stylized graphics type of thing. Yeah. But I thought it was a cool little stylized but... look to it. So like 
when I was watching that part, I'm like, I'm not gonna. It's that's not terrible in that case. I'm no, like, it's not. Like it's totally it. fine. Yeah, it looks totally fine. Um, I do find the world to be kind of strange uh, because we don't really know anything about Asana and what people do in it. Like, it's just. Um, I, I wish th I wish there was a little bit more development over like what people actually do in this game, because um, all we've seen is is basically she stands by this forest line and she either is you know fighting with one of her friends or she goes into the forest and tries to find this other place. So like we really don't have a whole lot of um, context for what normally goes on within this particular world. And now Asana is a company, and I, I I haven't watched episode three, but I think episode three goes into a little bit more backstory on Asana, the company, and like who founded it and whatnot. So Asana also is a network too, so like you can see them kind of looking each other up and like finding different information about their real life names and and what they're like kind of trending or focusing on and that kind of stuff. So uh, it seems to be more than just a game, and that's what I think's going on. There's also these weird moments where. Um, her webcam or Leia's webcam like kicks on and like you can tell somebody's watching her and she doesn't notice these these moments and so I wonder if that's Adrian which is some sort of AI or this is like some sort of company that's behind what Azana's doing um, you kind of got to wonder what exactly Adrian's up to if he's like taking these troubled youths who all have some sort of problem and kind of pushing them to suicide or, or something I'm not I'm not really sure but it's interesting, and I, I it's not what I thought it was going to be going in, and it surprised me, and I kind of like it, and I kind of want to stick with it for a bit because it is mysterious. I don't really know what's going on. Um, I I think the the main character she's she's a likable sort. She's also really like invasive. She like loves invading uh, uh, Mania's privacy because she like likes to log into her account or things. Like she she's developing kind of an obsession with her. And I'm curious how how healthy this is going to be. Now, um, Tess is is manic depressive, and so she's dealing with her own um, issues, and she's like kind of, kind of a college dropout. And um, uh, she she want like her psychologist wants or psychiatrist wants to put her on lithium, but she like throws away the lithium, wants her out. So she's got some problems too. And then Layla is kind of dealing with what happened with her mom and being left alone. And so everyone's kind of got their own problems. Um, so overall, really find it interesting um and it's it caught kind of caught me off guard it's not what i thought it was going to be and i definitely enjoy it so far so I'll, i'm probably going to stick with it so overall positive review for me positive reaction and i definitely want to keep i want to watch it through at least to like get some of the answers that i have question you know questions to and i like the characters um like even like the just the side silly character of jaunty he's funny he's like sitting there doing like taxi driver line walking around wearing these like speedo like the uh, like the uh, speedo ad, so he's like walking around without any pants on. It's hilarious. Overall, kiss me first. Interesting, uh, very interesting show. I I, I still don't understand. I, I, the title just feels like such a disconnect from what's going on. There's more to it uh, that I'm probably not picking up on yet. So, yeah, I, I, I thought it was me? interesting. Um, I, this is when I was watching. I was like, man, I wish this is what Ready Player One was like. I wish they would have taken time. Yeah, I thought about Ready Player One as well yeah. a little bit too. Yeah, I wish they just would have taken idea, time like with it. World. Yeah, because like Ready Player One was so rushed, and some of the stuff that happened in the movie just was so so stupid, didn't make sense, and wasn't related to the book at all. Like how they found their first trophy or their first key or whatever. But like, I thought it was an interesting concept. But like you said, I, I really do wish they would take some time to develop the world that they're in, not just like yeah, yeah. Asana. I want to know more about Asana. Like it's yeah. so, it's so hand waved so far. And yeah. like I, 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 you know, and I think 
both of us as being longtime MMO players. Like I love MMOs and I, I can't wait for like Camelot Unchained to come out. Uh, and I, I'm looking super forward to that. But like you and I played it for a long time. So like when we see a, a movie or a TV show that's starting to show like, oh, this is MMO, we get all gatekeepery, right? It's really bad of us, but we're like, hey, wait a sec. Like, is this really an MMO? So I kind of want to know like what it looks like and flesh that yeah. out a bit more. So, but it's only two, I'm only two episodes in. So Maybe from what there. I look for, when I, when I was looking in the third one, it looked like they were going to start providing some context about like how Azana started and stuff. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, All right. Well, I got some questions for you yet. A couple of them. And we'll oh, see really? if you can. Uh, they weren't necessarily on the nose, but I'm going to see if you can guess them. All right. So when she was talking to her mother on, her, on her video on her phone, right. what does her mother say about her? What do you mean? Like... She, her mother says she's beautiful and she says I'm decrepit right and then she says then what am I and then she tells her she's something so what does she tell her she is oh uh, I don't know I don't, I don't remember I don't really remember that moment the mother says she is the most precious and she says that to her multiple oh. times and it's like said oh, okay. a couple times and then later on in the second episode too where she's like I think when she was going out to the club and she's looking at the mm-hmm. moon or coming back from the club or whatever. And she's looking at the moon. And then like, Oh yeah. When she's on the head, she had the headphones on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So there's that one. All right. Uh, so there's that one. Uh, that's when he kind of guy says, what does her roommate do around the house? That's real strange. Uh, well, he does a lot of other things, but one of the things is he, he, he's pretending he's, he's trying to be a, uh, an actor, like mm-hmm. a, like a commercial actor. And so at one point he's thinks he has a gig, for speedo and so he walks around doing a speedo and other times he's just practicing you know what he's doing so i really like the part where he was doing doing robert de niro that was really funny so uh, i thought the speedo thing was funny uh the next thing uh now next thing uh i don't i'm curious to see how you can answer this seeing how this is a pg podcast um uh i just want to put this in mostly because i want to see how you would answer this in this context uh what is the problem with Tess's boyfriend, and I want you to be able to explain this in a way that we can put it on this podcast. Okay. Um, all right. I know. I know the answer. I could very easily answer this. <laughs> um, somebody. Uh, it's just uh, they're spending too much time uh, putting stuff into cans. Like just, just, just way too much time putting stuff into cans. Like, can we just for once maybe not put stuff in cans? Maybe we can put it like in a sandwich bag. Maybe put it in a sandwich bag. Instead of the can, like, why do we have to put it in the okay. can? Okay, all right. I'll, I'll, How about that? That's pretty I good. will That's take you. I'll give you double points <laughs> because of your ability to to dance around the yeah. the roadblock that I threw in front of you so hard. Because right. right. man, when I was writing this down, I'm like, how is he gonna answer this? We can uh, say it. There's nothing like. This. I don't know if that's that's. Fine. I don't know if that's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. It's just sex of a particular kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that involves the ass. <laughs> it's totally you're losing fine. your second point. You're losing what? your double points. No, no, no. You already gave it to me. It's on record. <laughs> it's on record, buddy. All right. Uh, last question. Why did the Russian mother... How did I know you were going to ask me about that, too? And yeah. I'm like, I just probably going to ask me about this. Yeah. Go ahead. I, not Russian. The Polish mother. Why did the Polish mother want a girl? Uh, because they're not mean to you. They don't hurt you. There you go. You 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 fixed it with the second part. Girls don't. Yeah, hurt you. you don't hurt you. Yeah. When I said yeah. it the first, I'm like, no, nah, it's not right. It's because they don't hurt you. So I'll give you four points. You get Which, the double points for as, the dance. As a, 
Yeah, as a person who has two older sisters and grew up with older sisters, that 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 Polish woman is totally wrong. She is a liar. Uh, she lies. They hurt you uh, emotionally, physically, psychologically. Like I'm pretty screwed. Like my 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 brain's still not quite right anymore. All right, so I'll give you four for four because you get an extra point for dancing around that so well. Nice. Um, That's two weeks in a row. Yeah, you're you're good. Now I'm sure I I, I took time Higher. today. To write down notes for the hundred too, uh, and I guarantee. You might do well, but I guarantee you, you're not going to get a hundred. Uh, well, I guarantee I'm not going to get a hundred either because I just I'm so okay. bad at these quizzes. All right. All so right. that well, segues segues as well into it. So, but but kiss me first. Definitely take a look at it. It's a really interesting show. Uh, I, I I definitely recommend it. So tell us about what you uh, were tasked with doing this week. So you issued me the one hundred. I think it was uh, requested by Maddie through you. Um, so the 100 it was created by Jason Rothenberg. It stars Paige Turn uh Paige Turco, Eliza Taylor and Bob Morley. Um so basically this the synopsis that has on IMDb is set in 97 or 97 years after nuclear war has destroyed civilization. When a spaceship housing humanity's last survivors sends 100 juvenile delinquents back to Earth in hopes of repopulating the planet. Um, my overall, uh, so for, let's just talk about the first episodes. So basically you have this, uh, the satellite in the sky was originally, hold on, I wrote down, was originally 12 nations. <laughs> wrote down. That's correct. Also not one of the questions I asked, but yeah. uh, <laughs> I really thought it was going to be one, uh, <laughs> 12 nations they basically made a mega satellite and then the satellite yeah. they call it the arc space and, station i think yeah probably it's not a satellite there's no blame uh so uh they everyone who's over the age of 18 uh if you commit a crime you're sentenced to death because they're running out of resources right. you're only allowed to have one kid per family um, you start off with the main character clark uh who is uh, a female uh protagonist of the group um she was jailed because she oh i forget why she was jailed i hope that's not uh -oh. one of the questions oh that's not one of the questions uh oh uh, -oh. uh anyways she was jailed um and uh pretty much any crime is a jail sentence and once you're past 18 you can be they, they call it floating um and so uh, they send them out of the airlock and so a hundred kids are released from their prison cells and they put them into a, a ship and not put them down on earth to see basically they're there to scout out and see if they can uh recolonize earth because they're they got like three months left of of uh hospitable life on the the space station so they gotta kind of like figure out a way now to fix it and see if it's okay so the, so they basically send down a ragtag group of super angsty teenagers to um basically try and scout out the area. Things go poorly um because they're all convicts and uh that were raised inside of a a, a windowless uh a machine in space. And so when they end up on Earth, there's a bunch of rebellion and they try and find where they're supposed to get to. There's a specific mountain weather mountain that they're trying to get to to basically try and get to a, a communication station so they can contact the uh space station and in the process uh after the, and then the first episode they're all excited they're having a great teen time and then one of them takes a giant spear to the chest because there's inhabitants on earth this whole time 
Um, Jasper being the yeah, one. Yeah, Jasper. Did. Yeah, with him and his uh, him and his uh, ski goggles, which makes no sense to me. Anyways, um, so in second episode, you start seeing a bit of a rift in the community of people that are there. Um, they go to try and find Jasper because when he was dragged away, you hear him screaming, try to save him. And then at the end of that episode, you see someone in the trees watching him. So it's basically they're on this planet and there's a bunch of stuff happening in the space station as well. You start seeing some more character mm-hmm. development, new characters created in the space station. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, but man, it is a teen angsty. Um, so my overall sure. thoughts of it, it's okay. okay. It's okay. Um, it's super, it's super teen angsty. Like it's insane. How angsty is, and I don't like that. I really can't stand that garbage because I deal with it every day at school of these teenage kids that think that life begins and ends between the ages right. of eighteen or seventeen through twenty. Like that's when they yeah. think that that's when it all exists, and it just kind of yeah. drives me nuts. Um, everyone in the movie or everyone in the TV show is gorgeous. Every single person. Is a ten okay, out of so 10. this is actually one of my questions. Yeah, you already got one wrong, so I'm gonna okay. give you like here's your chance just to clarify this. So, for having spent their entire lives on a space station in space, uh-huh. how good looking is everybody? They're all tens. It's insane. Like, I'll, I'll accept that. The actual correct answer is really, really good looking. <laughs> yeah, because that's the like, correct answer. But I'll, I'll, I'll even, accept ten. Even the guy who's kind of a psychopath and wants to just stab everybody and hurt everybody, real handsome he's, guy. He's like I don't, yeah. they're all it's like they're Christian all Bale from American Psycho. Yeah, yeah, they're all beautiful. Um, and it just that type of stuff just kind of annoys me. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe sure. maybe it's because I've never been uh, a super looker myself. I've always been six or below. Justin, come on, man. Yeah, I know it's true. I've always been. I'm not this. disagreeing with yeah, you. Yeah, but yeah. Seriously, let's stay focused. Um, the music, the look, the acting is all just so teen CW. Drives me a little nuts. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah. Um, it's, it, it gets better. I, I'll be honest. I hope because man, we it's just so. Yeah. It gets a lot better. It's so teen, and I and I, I have. Mean, it's hopes. always going to have that element. Obviously, it's yeah. always going to have that element. But like the show overall gets better. I actually like a lot of the adult actors better. So like, yeah. Yeah, and like the stuff that's going on in the space station with like the Chancellor and everything—that's interesting. And I, those actors are yeah. decent. But like, and it has the guy from Battlestar Galactica in it. I was trying to count how many people from Battlestar Galactica is in this show. Uh, but the one guy, the one analyst from Battlestar Galactica, is an analyst in space in this show too, yeah. which I thought was funny. Yeah. Um, yep. So I'm like this guy's really typecasted. Uh, he's got to be space running out of. Is he's in only TV shows that have to do with running out of resources in space. That's that's and having your civilization wiped off the planet. So he's got to. That's what he's got to be in. That's the only movies and TV shows he can be in. Um, okay. But as a whole, it was. It was meh. Whatever. It's, it gets it gets better. Like I really do think once you get past like episode three or four, it actually gets good. I and just then really. I think it's yeah. just because I'm around these dumbos every day, you know, these kids that... Sure, I am too to a degree as well. I get a lot of 18 and 19-year-olds in my classes, but... Uh, but, like, yeah, um, I remember being that age. I am not a smart man, but I was even dumber back Justin, then. Justin, come on. Yeah, I know. Uh, but, like, it's a thing where it's, like, I hate the whole premise of 
this is the most important time of our lives. Like, it's not. It really is not. And it's just, mm-hmm. it gets really aggravating. But Justin, they, they need to, you know, learn that for themselves, you know? We know better than the adults. Like, yeah. that's that's the that's the mm-hmm. thing that comes across in these shows all the time. Sure. Of, I know better than the guys who have been, who have basically been trying their best to make sure millions of people can survive over an extremely long period of time because of mistakes that were made. So, like, we're a hundred dummies that did a bunch of bad stuff. We obviously know more than those guys up there, right? It's just kind of like, oh, come on. Like, anti-establishment teen angst, I just can't take it. Give me the questions. Give me the questions. Okay, so you're one for two so far. Okay. Uh, so you got one right, uh, which is a good-looking one, but you didn't know why Clark was jailed. So Clark was oh, jailed because oh. her her dad had discovered that the ARC space station was running out of oxygen uh-huh, and only had uh-huh. about six months left. And so he shared that information with her, and so she was basically like his accomplice for that, and that's why she was in prison. Okay, so, I kind of forgot that part. That was really early uh, on then uh what is clark's prison number everyone has a prisoner number what was clark's come on your math teacher you should know numbers they they mentioned like a hundred times get it hundred princess your prison number is princess because they mentioned that about a hundred times prisoner 319 319 prisoner 319 all right so you're one for three okay uh what story did the powers that be so like you know the people in charge uh conjure to cover the launch of the prison platform down to the planet. So what was their, their cover story like for it all? It was, uh, well, initially it was, they can neither confirm nor deny anything that's happened. And then they said that there was a, uh, a malfunction of one of the pods and that it, mm-hmm. it basically fired off on, on a malfunction. I guess it was, a. Uh, there was air compression issues and it came off like that. Was that what it was? Because that's what the zero G lady went out mm. there to go f- try and fix. I'm yeah, pretty Raven, sure that's what it was. Raven, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to go ahead and give you half credit because you got all the whole right, mechanical right, malfunction. Right. The second half of it was, though, that the prison itself uh, was quarantined because of a virus story. And that's why they didn't want people. Oh, like, yeah. And they're saying, like, so well, if it was a virus, how come the right. airlocks weren't sealed? Like, oh, I didn't exactly. go through the air. Yeah. So I'll give you half because you got, you got the mechanical part. No problem. Okay. Final question. All right. What song was Desmond listening to when Jack and the others blew open the hatch? Hmm. What song? Oh, yeah, that was Desmond, wasn't it? Was I was Desmond trying to remember, to? where is this guy from? What song? <laughs> Jack. Oh, no. Locke, various other people who were assisting, Hurley, etc. When they uh, blew open the hatch, what song was Desmond listening to? I can't remember. That's so long ago. Make I knew I remember that guy. kind of music by Mama Cass. I knew that. I knew I'd seen that guy somewhere Mama before. I'm like, Cass. this is—he's not Guy's Henry Baltar. Ian Cusack. I'm like, he's Henry not Guy's Baltar, but he's someone I've seen before, definitely. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's Desmond. Yep. Okay. Makes Makes so uh, you got. Uh, let's see. Was it uh, one and a half out of five? You know, I yeah, told you that was going to happen. I wrote down notes. Mm-hmm. I have plenty of stuff. This is the notes I wrote down. So I thought you were going to say the ninety-seven years. Well, twelve let's nations. be honest. The why Clarker's show was a fair was a fair question. Got that wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. What was the story? The cover story. Totally a fair question. You got that half. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. The really good-looking one you got right, so you're good. Clark's prison number is kind of specific, but it was like the, one of the first things that was mentioned. Like, I was thought you were going to mention Grounders. No. I thought, I thought you were also yeah. going to mention that she's the best zero-G engineer in the past 42 years. Yeah, that's Raven. I think I mentioned yeah. that. 
But okay. uh, so I wrote stuff down. You know, it is. Yeah. Okay. You ready for new challenges? I guess. All right. So I want you to take advantage. I, I, I've been giving this some thought. I mentioned this at the start of the start of the podcast. Uh, there's a board game sale on Steam right now. I would like you to finally get Armello, which is on sale right now, and you got to play it with either me and or Wobbly, our other friend Jeff. Uh, that sounds good. I'll do go. that. So that's your that's I'm your challenge. It's a good game. It's a board um, game video game version. I have something in response to all this teen angst because man, when I was watching, I was like, I can't take it. All you have given me, half the stuff you've given me, is teen angst. You so like teen angst. No, I don't. Uh, what's don't Archie? Like what's Archie? Uh, it's called Riv- Riv- Riverdale. Sorry, Not what's Archie. Riverdale? Uh, an amazing, wonderful show. <laughs> that is the quintessential I teenage. I can't wait <laughs> to find out what happens because Archie is, is, is got arrested for murdering somebody. They did All those 30-year-olds are playing 16, 7-year-olds. I'm sorry that you uh, can feel age coming down the pike at you. And I, I, I'm uh, just young at heart. So I I saw this on another podcast I watch. Uh, it's uh, your mama's podcast with Tom Segura because I love Tom Segura. I think it's so funny. You listen to the podcast, but that's fine. No, his his are on they're on YouTube, so there's like a visual aspect to it. Oh, okay. Um, All right. So he had recently been. It was a while back, but they talked because I've been going. So you're stealing and, content from other podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, okay. There is a movie on Netflix called Code of Honor, starring the one and only. Steven Seagal. And I would like you I hate Steven Seagal. I would like you to watch that. I hate I believe I it is literally dislike everything about him. I believe it is his most recent film. And okay. from what I've seen, he is undes- indescribably tan. Like I don't know how he's possibly that tan mm. and overweight. So Well he's been that way for a while. I don't it, yeah, that's fine. Go to honor. I'll watch it. All right. I guess whatever one you had ready for me, I'm That's getting cool. next week. I gave you a good one, uh, Armello. Have fun. Enjoy that. And you gave me a piece <laughs> of crap. Well, I'm sure. What, I know you said you had a couple ready for me. I'm just, I kind of want to Well, no, that I always have. I, have. I have revenge ones ready to go. Like, okay, in good. In case you ever piss me off. Good. All right. Like well, I said, we'll see you next week. Like, we'll see you next week if like the revenge comes out. That's what this is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get, let's get out of here. I just shot my first uh, nuke. That's a pretty weak shot, honestly. I got way stronger than that. Way worse than that. All right. Anyway, let's get out of here. That's our new challenges. I got uh, I got Code of Honor. You got our mellow. And we are going to close this sucker down. Uh, you can find us on the old internet at lollygaggercode.com. We post all of our uh, all of our episodes up there, whatnot. Uh, one of these days, we're probably going to do more with that website when I get some time. Uh, otherwise, you can get us up on Twitter as well, at lollygaggerco. Uh, I usually do some tweeting throughout the week here and there. Uh, Justin is a professional streamer. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I just realized that professional streamer could be taken a completely different way. Uh, Justin, what is your Twitch? What is your Twitch channel? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I do, just totally. I do make things. upwards of a hundred dollars a year on this. So wow. Twitch.tv slash Jehufa. New Battle for Azeroth comes out in about two weeks, so I'll be doing a lot of content on that in here in the future because I'll be doing leveling and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. so there's that and plus magic all the time and rainbow six Siege. so hit me nice. up on there yeah okay and on that note let's uh let's say thank you to those who uh, helped uh help make this episode possible you ready oh yeah all right i'll start
uh, two dust storms in Arizona, like the one that is currently happening while I'm recording. So apologies for if I sound robotic. They are the gift that keeps giving. Just when you think that your yard is cleaned up and organized, uh, another haboob, as we call them around here, comes around and reminds me of the work that we have left to do. So thanks, haboobs. I want to thank my wife for giving our Hulu information out to what I think was 35 different people. And <laughs> I had a really hard time watching Itanya. And when I had to manage my devices, there were six pages and about six to five <laughs> people per page of devices on there and I had to narrow it down to web browser, Apple TV, Apple TV. So thank you, honey, for making that really, really fun for me to do it today. All right. I, this time, would like to thank our friend Maddie, who has uh, been rapidly listening to all of uh, the episodes over the past week or two. Uh, the other reason why I want to thank her is because she gets my musical reference, like the Our Lady Peace reference from last episode. It's really nice. Uh, and she also uh, gave me the challenge of the 100 contestants. So, Maddie. Thank you. I finally like to thank Urban Meyer for giving people plenty of reasons to talk to me about uh, my hat and lanyard this week. Um, uh, thank you so much for making sure people remind me all the time that my team uh, is housing a morally uh, questionable head coach. So thank you so much. <laughs>